Hey friends, this is Michelle. I am here to bring you hope. And as I continue on my recovery journey, I love to share information with you about, and some of the information I share is um, just some of the information, some of the stuff that really helps me along my journey. Because if you are like me and are struggling with an addicted loved one, regardless if they're in recovery or not, um, it's difficult, right? And the only person we can lead is ourself. So I've been really, really working on self-leadership, leading myself better so that I can be confident in what I'm doing and how I'm responding to Um, our son's addiction problem. Thankfully for us, he is still in recovery, almost six months sober. But I also know that relapses are very prevalent. Our son is still facing sentencing in a few weeks for drug felonies. And we don't know where God is going to take him on his journey. So all we can do is um, stay focused on ourselves, right? And lead ourselves in the best way possible to find joy because we all want to find joy, right? And it's really hard to be happy or joyful when somebody we love is struggling so much. So I, um, our, our granddaughters who live with us, they're 14 and 9, they are on a water ski show team. It's the only one in Indiana And this year, they're going to nationals. They competed as a team, and they qualified to go to nationals. We're hosting the nationals here in north central Indiana, and it's really a big deal, right? So our girls practice almost every night, sometimes for hours. Um, And they roll ropes. They help with the boats. They help with the costumes. Um, It's a team effort, and they work with kids from six years old, sometimes all the way up to, you know, boat drivers who are in their 60s. Um, And so our oldest granddaughter is really um, loves, well, they're they're both on this pyramid, right? And the pyramid is a group of skiers who climb each other all the way up and they make these four-tier pyramids. And our youngest is at the top of the four-tier and her sister is on the third tier. Well, this weekend, um, there was practice. And the show director said to our older granddaughter, you, um, you're not going to be in the pyramid practice today. And we barely made it home um, without her crying because she felt like she was kind of entitled to that position on the team. She had been working really hard in that position and thought she was really, really good at it. And so she got it in her head, in her head, that she was not going to be in the pyramid for nationals. And as a guardian of this child, and somebody who's working on my own recovery, I thought, why is she letting that thought control her emotions? Nobody said that she was not going to be in the pyramid for nationals. Nobody said that. All they said was, we're not going to use you in pyramid practice today. Okay, so 
fast forward, this child, I, I could not, could not get it in her head that um, maybe, just maybe, the coach knew that she was already good at it, but she wanted others to have practice. So she put them in to help them practice because um, we're, we're going to be judged on how well we can get those girls up on the top of the pyramid and how quickly for the audience. So anyway, um, but I couldn't get her to turn it around. I mean, she just cried and sulked in her room. And the the uh, show director finally reached out to her via texting and said, hey, I heard through the grapevine, it wasn't me, heard through the grapevine that um, you're really um, disappointed and you're worried that I'm not going to put you in the show. And she said, that couldn't be any further from the truth. You will be in the show. And we only took you out for practice because we knew that you've got this mastered and you didn't need practice, not as much as some of the other people. So, wow, was I glad that happened, right? Because it kind of made me right, didn't it? But let me ask you something, because my granddaughter is no different than you or me. How many times do we let the thoughts in our head control how we feel? How we feel, how we act, um, how our body responds, all of that. And so today, this is what I'm going to be talking about. I want you to think about your thoughts and how they are causing pain in your life. I read a book and I highly recommend this book because it has changed my life around as far as like being able to help mentor those around me. It's called Loving What Is, Four Questions That Can Change Your Life by Byron Katie. I tried to find her TED Talk. I I didn't really find one, but um, I, I didn't look forever. So you could possibly find more than I have. I I didn't really take time. But again, it's called Loving What Is, Four Questions That Can Change Your Life by Brian Katie. And four questions. I'm like, are you kidding me? Four questions? Is that all I need to change my life? So um, I want to ask you something she something she says in her book. Let me see if I can. Sorry, I'm 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 going to scroll here while I'm talking to you because I've written so much of this down to share. But one of the quotes Katie says in her book is, "A thought is harmless unless we believe it. It's not our thoughts, but the attachment to our thoughts that causes suffering." Attaching to a thought means believing that it's true without inquiring. A belief is a thought that we've been attaching to often for years. Now, in my granddaughter's case, she was only attaching to that thought for a couple hours. But think of what an inquiry could have done for her. I said, well, how could you have eliminated hours of this turmoil in your life, right? What could you have done? And, you know, we brainstormed that. I wanted her to say, well, I could have gone to the show director and asked her if it was true. Aha, yes, you could have. You could have gone to the show director and asked her 
Is it true that I'm not going to be in nationals? Because I need to cope with this. I need to figure out how to cope with this. I'm really struggling. But she didn't do that. And so what happened was somebody else told the, to, the show director, and my granddaughter was hugely embarrassed, very embarrassed by the drama she caused. So I'm like, well, how could you have avoided that, right? Maybe by going directly to the person inquiring. So she learned a lot from that, and I learned a lot from that. I learned how to kind of walk her through the process of that, and I, and I didn't do anything for her. She had to do it. For herself, the only thing I did at the end was I thanked her show director for, um, for actually, you know, reaching out to my granddaughter. Um, it was a very kind gesture, and with all the drama she has going on, I, I don't know. There's probably over a hundred team members, right? She's got a full-time job. And she's not paid for this position. So, anyway, um, here are the four questions from this book, but. It, it might be difficult for you to follow along with me. And there's so much more to this than what I'm going to talk about here today. So I, again, really want to encourage you to get the book and um, I, you can download it on Kindle, read it. But the four questions are as follows. Question one, is it true? So I, I'm going to say, just for the purpose of this scenario and showing you these questions, I'm going to give you this. What is the one question that moms and dads of addicted loved ones worry about the most? What do we think? What do we think? Well, if you're like me, I thought my son is going to die from this disease. My son is going to die from his addiction. So let's evaluate these four questions that Katie gives us in this book with that thought, okay? Because that thought, what has that thought done to me? Um, every time I hear an ambulance, I used to like almost pass out. Um, when I would see him, I would just about collapse from depression and he was so emaciated. Uh, I just didn't know how he was possibly, possibly going to live. So here are the questions. Okay. Is it true? Okay. Yes. It seems that he's going to die from the addiction, right? Because people are dying every day from overdoses. Well, question number two, can you absolutely know that it's true? So with that question, do I really absolutely know that he's going to die from the disease? No, I don't. Because guess what? People recover and live a sober life all the time. So do I know that is totally going to be true? No, I don't. Question number three, how do you react what happens when you believe that specific thought? What happens? So in my case, you know, when I thought that he was going to die, couldn't sleep, had to go to the doctor, mega anxiety, I was angry, I was short with people, I couldn't, I couldn't focus. So what about you? I, I kept thinking, oh, I have to save him. I have to save him. There must be something I could do, right? Because it's, it was like I wanted him to live more than he did. He couldn't even see it, right? Again, um, okay, so the fourth question is, who would you be with without this thought? Who would I be without this thought? Who could I be without that controlling my life? Well, 
it's not controlling my life anymore because he's in recovery, right? So I can speak on the other side of that. I can say, oh my goodness, I'm sleeping eight hours a night. I'm working out. I'm meditating. I can breathe. I'm smiling. I'm finding joy in so many things in my life. Um, So those four questions, right? They describe the work that is, that's what Brian Katie calls it in her book. It's the work. You got to do the work. So as long as you do the work, you can free yourself from the negative thoughts that are controlling your life. Now, you might say, well, how is that going to help my child? How is that going to help my child? Well, we're all about, I'm all about self-leadership because and, and I want you to be too. I hope that you will be too. Because we cannot control our child. We can't. We can't want their sobriety more than they do. They have to want it. But one thing I can tell you is, let me ask you this question. When you see people that are happy, just filled with joy, um, don't you want to be around those kind of people? those positive people that are able to find silver linings that aren't Debbie Downers, don't you want to be around those people? Well, your child, once your child sees that you are focusing on you and that you are in control of you, that you are finding joy, that you're calmer, that you are um, in control of your own life, and you're not like freaking out, reacting to them, and that you're not addicted to the thought of them dying or whatever it is that you're addicted to. Because I believe as parents, we can be addicted to our thoughts, to helping our child, and it becomes almost an obsession. And so I look at where I am today as... um, I'm going through the 12 steps, darn it. I am in recovery of my own because I have to find ways to detach from my child so that I can live the best life that God has given me to influence and help those um, maybe who are in the same predicament I'm in. And that's that's where I am today. I started um, facilitating PAL, Parents of Addicted Loved Ones, in my community because I want to help moms and dads recover and find joy and find healthy ways to help their children. Um, Nobody else is responsible for your suffering except for you. We can't think that our child is causing our problems. We're letting them. We can't be the victim, right? And we can't let them control us. So that's why this book was absolutely amazing to me. I I mean, I'm having my husband read it. I don't know that he's in the same place I am. So I don't know that he's enjoying it because the thought processes here are, um, it's just quite a bit different. It's, It's pretty odd to go through and, and um, ask yourself the, this question, these questions. But just for the sake of saying them again, um, let me see if I can find them here to, to share with you. Okay, is it true? Can you really know that it's true? How do you react when you believe that thought? How much of your life is based on that thought? 
What do you do and say when you believe that thought? So maybe you even think that thought that you're you're dumb. Um, some parents, some moms think they're terrible at parenting. What do you think happens when you start believing that, right? Can you see a reason to drop that thought? And don't just drop it because I'm saying to drop it. Find one stress-free reason to keep that thought. Find one stress-free reason to keep that thought. And who would you be without that thought? Who would you be? And so when you look at this, the final part in Katie's book is turn the underlying belief around. Now this is where it gets tricky. So if we use a scenario of the belief that our son or daughter are going to die from this disease, What if we turn that thought around and say to ourselves, if we don't stop obsessing over this thought, we are going to die from this disease. Give that a second to sink in. And this is what she says with each one of these is turn that thought around. Um, So you might say, well, wait a minute, I'm not using drugs or alcohol. No, but how many moms do you know? who are trying to cope with all this, and they're having heart attacks. Um, They're struggling with cancer. They're not taking care of themselves. And they are so sick from trying to do, trying to manage somebody else's life. We can't. We just can't, I promise you. Golly, I can hardly manage my own life. (laughs) And lately, yeah, I I, um, I have been known to... uh, dispel some anger yes so um, when things get a little stressful so I'm here today to bring you hope and I am um, going to be I'm I'm writing this book um, mom's letting go with love without giving up and it's all about recovery Um, and it's gonna be free I'll share with you and as soon as I know what's available dads it's for you too but my primary focus is in the book is moms, just because I think um, we tend to manage our kids a little differently. Not always, though. Not always. I just sometimes wish I could be as healthy as my husband and the way he deals with it. But anyway, um, part of this, part of this thinking is um, our thoughts control our actions. And so if we can really take time to be aware of what we are thinking and what's getting in the way of our own recovery, we are going to inadvertently help our children. I am totally confident of that. So again, I hope that you have found some value in this short little blurb of a podcast. Um, And... uh, The book, again, is called Loving What Is, Four Questions That Can Change Your Life by Byron Katie. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening.